Yeah, well, the first thing, the most important thing to realize and tell myself every day is that we're all empty. We're all made of stardust, you know, that these are all bodies that we've embodied to complete a mission in life, if you even think that. And if you don't, then try your best to figure out your purpose in life. Yeah. But what the vessel that we're in physically is the vessel that you should really work to be the most comfortable in. And while you're working on yourself to being most comfortable, it, what stabilizes me is knowing that everybody in the world is suffering equally. Mm. Like nobody will ever know what it's like to have over 40 surgeries or lose their voice or lose their bladder or have a fit. Nobody, nobody will know my exact life. Just like I won't know your exact life. There's no mm. way. There's no like a Ghostbuster ghost, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, frequency, you know, whose pain is more. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even so, there's the, painometer. There's, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Painometer. There's no type of painometer. Everyone's pain is equivalent. My pain of, of not being able to walk for a year could be equivalent to the pain of somebody that broke your heart last night. Mm. So um, what keeps me stable is knowing that everybody is suffering equally and that it's best okay. to have compassion for everyone. That's what you do. You record. Oh, I love pressing buttons. Button. Greetings, star seeds, and welcome to a cosmic journey, the comedy podcast about science and spirituality, where we discuss everything in the universe, from the physical to the metaphysical. <laughs> I'm Demi Wild, and I might be Jay Maceo. I, I guess I'm Jay Maceo. Who are we uh, today? Who are we in general? Uh, this week we've got cosmic news stories, like how a Minnesota uh, lake has been overtaken. And overrun by an unlikely fish. So uh, one usually that you win at a carnival. <laughs> or how law enforcement has solved a decades old cold case with a little help from genome sequencing. That's right. And on our YouTube channel Monday, you can catch Cosmic News in video format. And on Wednesday, you can catch my Cosmic Insights, where we'll be going back in time, revisiting an early edition of Cosmic Insights on meditation. So be sure to subscribe. Do that. Do that. Also, later on the show, we take a deep dive into a black hole. A splash. And hang out with our friend of the pod, Dr. Lino Martinez. <sighs> that was Hi. like loud applause. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Wonderful. This is weird today. Sorry. <laughs> we, you know, it's sometimes it's just weird and weird, weird people sometimes. Yeah. It's been, a, I'll start this time, which I shouldn't. I just like, I told you before. I'm trying not to get stressed out and it's okay. That happens at times. It's okay to get it stressed is, out. I have a lot good and indifferent this week going on. Uh, I have a show that will be on the 22nd. So it'll be after this air. Sorry. This, that you, this Sunday. Yeah. Well, yeah. It'll, it'll be uh, Sunday, the 22nd. So I've been practicing for that and for a, a certification for something. Mm -hmm. And there's like this test that you have to get 90% on uh, to pass. So I'm just like, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just, sure it's going to be easy. 
Uh, well, I, I've taken the practice test and now I've, I've got 90% on some, this part is boring, I guess, but yeah, it's, it's all right. Well, so you've done this before though. Yeah. But I studied a lot more for that before. Like my head was in books and I took 20 pages worth of notes. You've got this. Mm. You've got this. Don't sell yourself short. I am short. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, I'm sitting on two pillows right now just to be as tall as you. I know. Oh, I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't tell the people that. We uh, got rid of, or we just told, stole our secrets, for, told our secrets to all of them. That should Sorry, be on the, uh, my... on the Patreon is where that should be. And uh, are, we, are we talking about TV shows yet? Or are we just talking about our weeks first? <laughs> We're just talking about our weeks first. Okay. Um, I was going to put something in here for, okay, I'm just going to say this. Say it. I almost set my apartment on fire the other day. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I texted you when this happened, but my mm-hmm. power went out for several hours the other day. Mm-hmm. And so it was getting dark during the time. And I ended up like, you know, lighting some candles and stuff. And it was all cute and all that stuff. But I ended up walking to getting bored. Sexy time candles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't sexy time, though. Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting bored. And I was just like, you know, I'm gonna go Target. And just like go get some shit. And so I, I spent a good amount of time in, in Target. I really did not bother in being in a rush because I was like, there's nothing to come back home to or whatever. Except and, the puppy. Except the puppy. Well, yeah, him. Uh, but when I got back, <laughs> one of the candles was sitting on top of my dresser and it had just erupted <laughs> in the glass, just like maybe about like six inches above, just like shh. So I'm like, holy shit. Oh my God. I got to go. I ran to the, to the faucet and I grabbed some water. Mm-hmm. I poured it on it. Bad idea too. Cause that erupted and went everywhere. Like, like a grease fire, like a grease fire. Exactly. Whoa. But it was like wax and stuff. So there's wax all over my floor, all over my fan, all over my clothes. Cause one of the drawers was open. And amongst all that, uh, the cloth thing on top of my, um, on top of my dresser caught on fire too. Damn. <laughs> so I really kind of fucked up. So wow. Um, well, at least you still have a, a a domicile. Yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave candles unattended. Yeah. Or or children unattended. Or children. Sometimes pets depends on how trained they are. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about brand new cherry flavor? Yeah, but don't give away much. The <laughs> listeners want to know, and I think I'm only like two episodes in, maybe right. three uh I'm, I'm the same I'm, I'm only like three episodes in i think it just started the force or something but um yeah it, it had just been uh i i started watching it the other day and i told you about it mm-hmm. and i was like this is a great show yeah and you're like is there any hot guys in it <laughs> and i was like is that the only reason why you didn't watch a show you just busted me today <laughs> but i did ask that that is you did ask that no because sometimes you're in the mood for something really deep and sometimes you're in the mood to just be entertained. Yeah. And part of entertainment is, you know, sometimes, you know, attractive people that you just like, oh, I want to look at you sometimes. Yeah. But I think that this show does a really good job of it's, it's basically kind of like a, a David Lynch show. It's David Lynch-esque. I can see that. A little bit. It's not very David Lynch, but it's like got a lot of like his his style to it. Um, it's got all my favorite things. It's got... Mm-hmm. Um, uh witchy shit mm-hmm. cats yeah <laughs> um uh all kinds of good stuff oh and aubrey plaza-esque main character i love aubrey plaza but this which is, is she she's the main character she's the main girl oh okay okay yeah i i don't know what the actress's name is it's not aubrey plaza but she's very aubrey plaza 
esque. Oh, I thought you meant. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, no, it's not Aubrey Plaza. Um, but no, this show is super good. It's a horror show um, set in the '90s and about this filmmaker who gets her movie kind of stolen and um, but this, she seeks revenge. All right, don't tell that part. That's it. That's the plot. I didn't know that she was going to get it stolen. There's, oh. He did not not until oh, I didn't yeah. I didn't never mind I'm not gonna if I talk anymore, <laughs> I'm gonna give away. you know what I've started to do uh, I've always I've talked about the East Siders a little bit mm-hmm. uh, certain people if you just watch the first couple of episodes you don't know how it changes and how like dynamic it really gets but I've never ever you know some people watch movies over and over again and watch a series over and over again. I'm not Me. that guy. Yeah. Once I watch a series, I, I've watched it already. I've but, watched Will and Grace probably a dozen times. I've watched uh, wow. Friends about six times. I've watched 30 Rock about six, The Office a few wow. times. I didn't even catch the last season of Friends and I haven't rewatched it, which I should have. But It's like, I think you used this analogy the other day. It's like cold pizza after the day after. Mm. You know, it's just, it's still good. I think know? I use that analogy and I don't like cold pizza because I, like, <laughs> I like meat on the pizza okay. and I like hot meat. <laughs> yeah we do yeah <laughs> but i've been watching i'm at the last i have like two episodes or one episode left i'm uh, re-watching the east siders and yeah. just falling in love with these characters all over again because in the beginning you don't know what to expect it's kind of like kind of slow moving and yeah. you're just there's two characters you're really dealing with but then it gets like explosive between all these characters yeah yeah i should really give it a shot yeah oh yeah i mean i just don't i just don't do well with like queer movies or queer tv shows like mm-hmm. i really hated queer as folk oh my god it was so boring really yeah no i like i remember when i was young and i was like, I gotta i'm sure this. it's a great show but like i was just like this is just a bunch of white people and their problems like, i <laughs> no, i search and there are a lot of bad gay movies but i search yeah. for gay movies sometimes i'm like what is what and i've watched a lot of them Broken Hearts Club is good. Yes, it's dated, but it was ba- yeah. back in in that day. Yeah. It was the best gay movie ever. It was like the only gay movie at some point. Oh no, I had, oh well, it was, it was like the, in the beginning, right? There was like Jeffrey and uh, few and far between. You love that name. Uh, there was Jeffrey and what was this other one? There were a couple. There, yeah. there were a couple. There were few and far between though. But Broken Hearts Club was the one where people were like, damn. Yeah. They did have straight actors for the most part, but like, yeah. oh, and of course, you know who was in that? Billy Porter. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to, <laughs> so take I was going to say Madonna for some reason. Madonna. <laughs> I'm thinking of um, uh, with Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna, uh, the the baseball team, softball team, uh, League of Their Own. Yeah. I did not even know. <laughs> I've never seen that, and I didn't know Madonna was in it. My wires got crossed. Sorry. Crossed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's been great. Um, yeah, if you haven't watched it, though, you should definitely watch uh, Brand New Cherry Flavor. And I'll just say and this. And the East Siders. And the East Siders. I'll just say this. They do not explain the title, Brand New Cherry Flavor, at all. Okay, yeah, I was wondering. Maybe that'll happen at the end. Never. Yeah. <laughs> We're giving away way too well, much. Well, I, I read it up. I, I wanted to know more about <laughs> it. Don't, don't, don't say they don't say it but they just mentioned that they do not explain the title of the show you give a, you giving away a bunch of shit it's not anything major because the part of the reason is somebody might pay more attention to find out when they explain the title well if this ruined it for you i'm sorry yeah <laughs> you should still watch it it is a great show 
Anywho, um, shall we get into the astrology forecast? Let's do it. Um, so the channel message of the week that I came up with was consult your higher power. Mm. Um, I think a lot of us have uh, things going on in our lives that perhaps need some clarification and some things that, um, you know, just consult your spirit guides, consult your higher power and, and um, move along with that. Keep it moving. So, um, so this is for the week of August 23rd, August 29th. On August 23rd, Venus and Libra will be training Saturn in Aquarius. So Venus, planet of love, art, and commerce will be forming a trine to strategic structural Saturn on this day. A trine is a positive aspect that allows energy to flow smoothly between signs. And this aspect is ideal for romantic commitments, developing bonds, and being social in unique ways. Uh, good use of this energy would be take our, to take our romantic interests, art, or business projects into uncharted territories, but do so with a keen eye on the bigger picture. Um, August 24th, Mercury in Virgo will be opposing Neptune in Pisces. Uh, Mercury, planet of communication, expression, and learning will be opposing mystical, magical Neptune. Uh, on, on, an opposition is, <laughs> I can't read. I can't read. I can't read. Uh, an opposition is a negative aspect that usually brings conflict or difficulties between those signs. And it's best to avoid making uh, any major decisions right now. Uh, this aspect could make communications murky and us unable to see what's really going on. It could bring tension to communication issues as we try to untangle certain mysteries. Best use of this, of this energy is to simply get creative, but do it for yourself for now. You don't have to put everything out there all at once. Oh, that's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. uh, August 26th, Mercury in Virgo trines Pluto in Capricorn. Mercury will be forming a trine with Pluto and Capricorn on this day. A trine is a positive aspect, as mentioned before. We will find power and structure within our learning or expression during this time. Be open to changes in the structures uh, that we will have created to get things done. Uh, a good use of this energy will be to analyze the details of our creative processes and find any hiccups or issues within the current formula and work on streamlining them. Streamline. I was thinking streamline. I was going to repeat that, but you repeated it already. Streamline. So now it's just. I uh, did it for you. You did it for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I read your mind. Oh, you'd be reading mine and stuff. <laughs> um, August 26th, Venus opposite Chiron. Venus will Chiron? be. Chiron. Uh, good old Chiron. My cousin Chiron. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Chiron. Chiron. Sounds like a dude you would date. I would name my, Ky my child Chiron. That's a good name. Yeah. That's a good name. Uh, Venus will be up. I don't know why. <laughs> Venus will be opposite Chiron, the wounded healer, on this day. Um, this energy will bring some issues when it comes to love, money, or creativity, but ultimately it could be for our better good. Best use of this energy would be to just go with the flow. If anything emotional comes up during this day, just know that these things are being shown to us so that we may better handle them later on. Um, so, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of a rough week. I think it's a lot of changes, a lot of like um, structural shifts in things and perhaps a little bit of like uh, misreading certain things, I guess. But it's mm. definitely going to be uh, an interesting week, depending on how you look at it. Um, just make sure that you are following the plan and making sure that you are uh, not... Whoop, not ruffling any feathers. Ruffle. I thought those fell out. Kind of. Well, no, they didn't. Oh, you have to do it this way. <sighs> do it this way. I just didn't shuffle it before. 
That one's speaking to me. Queen of Cups. I think we had this the other day. We did. Remix. You know, for those who can't see what you're doing, look at you as yourself in the okay. Whoop. All right. Hey. They look really weird. Why? How do it look weird? Queen of Cups, the priestess. Because you were never mind. Because you were what? Because all they see is you going like this. Oh, just <laughs> the visual aspect of my yeah, hand of going hand. up and down, yeah. out of range. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But now okay. you know what he, you know what he was So doing. we have a lot of uh, water energy here. So first we have the Queen of Cups. This is a... Mm. Um, yeah. So we just had this the other day. What happened uh, to our space? Outer space? <gasps> oh, no. We're not out of space anymore. There we go. We came back. Oh, right. <laughs> now they know we wasn't really out of space. Oh, come Hollywood, on, baby. Hollywood magic is ruined. I mean, we made it. We we're in outer space and we made it green. Ooh. Yep, we did. Um, so anywho, we have the queen of cups here. So a lot of like emotional energy, a lot of uh, spirituality, um, a lot of like, um, oh, so I read something the other day that these lotuses uh, can grow um in any kind of water oh wow so that's the most that's the beauty of the lotus what about coca-cola can they grow in coca-cola perhaps um but they grow just as well in any kind of water so that's kind of like what their what their um what's the word what their metaphor is is like a human like you can grow just as good anywhere Mm -hmm. um so that's something interesting thing that i read the other day about lotuses but we also have the priestess here and the priestess is the second card and it is a um and basically has to do with our intuition a lot to do with our um creativity and stuff that happens um in the ether if you will ether ether a lot of I mean, diamonds fruit sweetness yeah it's a very feminine card and then we also have the a lot of feminine energy here. So we have the um, Princess of Cups here as well. And emo- is it a lot of emotional energy too? Mm-hmm. Emotions, a lot of... Um, um, a second emotion. Emotions, intuition, uh, mysticism. We've got our, our heron, our good friend, the heron there. Um, we've got the Princess of Cups here. So what's interesting about the Princess of Cups is that she actually has um, three elements in here symbolized by the animal so we have the the bird we have the fish and then we have the turtle so earth air and water emotions structure ideas so putting a structure to these things is uh, probably the important thing so we have a lot of like emotions and stuff so i think this to me reads processing emotions mm. processing um, stuff going on like in the back of your mind, stuff going on like um, uh, under the table, under the table, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, you know, when a computer is updating and it's running things in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basically what, what the, what this says to me is like, there's stuff updating behind us. Oh. And so what we need to do is we need to kind of put that into our consciousness and tell it and, start working with that energy a little bit more. I'm like seeing something in this, but I don't want to talk. What about are you it. saying? See, yeah, please, please. 
So they talk about sometimes like the suits, like the princess mm-hmm. and the uh, prince or, you know, knight and page if you're in certain things mm-hmm. or mother and father. And, you know, it depends. But they the princess, you know, is well, the queen is like the king is like the highest. So it's, you mm-hmm. know, dealing with emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, you could look at it like emotional maturity. But and this this might be horrible. And maybe I'm just reading this for me because because of like the things. But it looks like uh, there's a level of emotional uh, maturity or emotions. Uh, the priestess with the number two mm-hmm. symbolizing relationships, be it romantic or other. Mm. And the princess of cups. So because of a relational problem, uh, don't let yourself go backwards in, in emotions. I don't know. Because the princess of cups, cups, emotions. I'm a terrible tarot reader, apparently. No, no, no. You're talking about, you're talking about what it meant for you. Right, 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 right. About what, sometimes it can be personal, right? Sometimes it can be personal. Yeah. And also, I think that is actually a little bit more of an accurate reading than what I do. I'm a bit more of an intuitive reader, I guess. But um, but yeah, I think that's you're more. I, <laughs> no, you know tarot a bit more than I do. I'm just like, I'm just, I think I'm reading personal, you know. Well, no, you, you can spot some, some things stuff. that even I don't. That's good. That's because two heads are better than one. Exactly. Four heads are better. No, that, never mind. Four heads, five heads. <laughs> that bitch got a five head. <laughs> you heard that right? When somebody has a big forehead. That's right. That they have a five head. Rihanna has one. <laughs> I didn't say it. Sorry. Love you, Rihanna. Uh, let's get into the news. <laughs> so um, I found this interesting story about um, some archaeology news here. So we had a an, a warrior was dug up in finland um so a roughly 1000 year old grave in southern finland has been thought to have held a powerful woman who might have been a warrior but new evidence suggests an individual who was biologically male may have actually been there signs that this person was perhaps a respected individual with a non-traditional gender identity so mm -hmm, discovered in 1968 at a site known as swantuk whoops whoops at Swant, sorry, <laughs> I'm that's our theme music. Yeah, <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Discovered in 1968 at a site known as Swantaka, uh, the Finnish grave held a largely decomposed human skeleton. The grave also included jewelry traditionally associated with women and two swords, including one with a bronze hilt, typically attributed to men. Uh, items in the Swantaka grave site uh, date between 1050 and 1300. Uh, they also studied 23 animal hairs and three bird feather fragments retrieved from soil that had been excavated with the uh, leg bone fragments. Based on that evidence, the Swantica individual was likely dressed in feminine clothes made of sheep's wool and furs from animals that included rabbits and hares. Now, an analysis of the tiny amount of nuclear DNA extracted from the leg bone fragments suggests that the grave held an individual born with an extra X chromosome. Hmm. Uh, symptoms of this condition in present-day males known as Klinefelter syndrome include low testosterone, lack of facial and body hair, and large breasts, and learning and language-related problems. Uh, effects are, of this rare condition on growth and appearance range from mild to noticeable. Uh, that evidence, that genetic evidence, combined with the unusual mix of male and female-related items in the grave, suggests that this grave held an individual who was non-binary. So this is actually like a non-binary warrior, like a very respected person in their village. Wow. Um, It's amazing what archaeology can find. Yeah. So, I mean, 
people saying that like non-binary people have been around for a long time. Yeah. And this is actually, there's more to this story actually. So perhaps the closest parallel to this individual is a man who was interred in Vilvala in Sweden nearly a thousand years ago with a tire of both high-ranking males and females, Mm. as well as jewelry and a small knife. Some researchers suspect this man was a ritual specialist since there is evidence that shamans dressed in women's clothes in early medieval Scandinavia. Mm. So we t- tied this back to a couple different episodes that we did. Here. I was thinking about that. So we did um, the shaman episode. We, yeah. we discussed this. A lot of like shamans in, in ancient times were uh, usually non-traditional people or, you know, some of them were even gay, like yeah. for a lot, like, homosexuality was like a sign of divinity for a lot of like cultures, like way in ancient times. Can you suck a dick? <laughs> You're not divine. Come well, back when you can. Then you can channel spirits. That's what. <laughs> um, but also we... The sex episode? Yeah. When we did um, um, intersex and chromosomes yes. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. So tying it back to a couple different episodes here. That was me tying. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, medieval Scandinavia? You said medieval Scandinavia. Uh, What? You know what I was thinking about right there? What? Uh, A leopard on the loose. Because that happens sometimes. Apparently in eastern China. So when residents of eastern China, new city of Hangazu, were recently uh, given strict orders to remain indoors, the news actually had nothing to do with the uh, ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Instead, it was a much different kind of threat facing locals. Three leopards escaped from the Safari State Park, and they had been roaming around for weeks. Yikes. Not for days, folks. For weeks. Weeks. The terrifying lapse in security and park management occurred on April 19th, uh, 2021. It did not take long for locals to spot the dangerous predators uh, sculling about the hillsides and spinning around town, springing around town. They're just chilling. Uh, <laughs> zoo officials denied any involvement in the incident until early May, fearing the damage to ticket sales uh, to, chi- to the Chinese five day uh, labor holiday. It, anyhow, they were saying oh, that damage they, to ticket sales. Yeah. Really. And, at their at their not on- damage to people. Yeah. In their lives. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is our big you know, holiday weekend uh, at the beginning of the month. That's when it was. Uh, so the state park is situated about 12 miles from the downtown district, the upper range of uh, what typically uh, the upper range of what a typical leopard might travel in a single day. So police discovered the animals ran off during an enclosure cleaning with a uh, general manager, uh, Zen Dequan, uh, ordering uh, the workers to keep quiet. He said, be quiet. Don't tell nobody. Like they wouldn't find out with like three leopards running around. Uh, a hush uh, scramble to recapture the three big cats began immediately with workers succeeding in catching one leopard within 48 hours. It was shot with the tranquilizer dart and returned to its enclosure uninjured. Searchers captured the second leopard more uh, under more violent circumstances uh, following a larger government hunt. Uh, city and district officials, uh, government officials deployed packs of hunting dogs that viciously mauled the second leopard. Uh, footage of this incident was released on May 8th and appeared to show the leopard's hind leg um, fanning in public. Uh, it fanned public outrage. 
because uh, they shouldn't Injury, do that to animals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's just like black on black crime. It's animal on animal crime. <laughs> uh, but it sparked a lot of outrage, uh, the news coverage. And uh, the third remains elusive. So we, we don't know where the third. The third leopard is still out there. Yeah. Imagine little Susie walking to the store. Mm-hmm. Gonna get some milk and sugar for her, her grandma or whatever. <laughs> Grandma's like, give me some sugar, baby. Mm. Gets mauled by a leopard on the way. <laughs> yeah. But the ticket sales. Yeah. At least they, the ticket sales. Ticket sales. That's what's up. Yeah. Priorities. Um, so did you watch? There's kind of this horrifying video that was on the internet the other day of um you, you know the Taliban took took over in Afghanistan mm-hmm. again after like 20 years um there was uh, an airline or it was a the US government um flight taking off and people were like trying to just hold on to that airplane and there's people falling from the sky and stuff it was pretty oh, wow pretty it wow. was pretty crazy they were that desperate to get out of that country like refugees cuz people were so scared for their lives well, I have this news story about the Taliban, and I don't like to get super political in here, but this was interesting, and it does tie into technology and stuff. So, okay. um, so Taliban is on Twitter. Uh, on Monday morning during a live... Hold on. My thing messed up. Hello. What's wrong with my thing? There we go. The oh, thing. Just kidding. Uh, on Monday morning during a live BBC news broadcast, journalist Yalda Hakim was interrupted by a phone call from a Taliban spokesman, Suhail Shaheen. Uh, Suhail Shaheen. Shaheen sought to reassure Hakim and British viewers watching at home that the people of Kabul were safe and that the Taliban wouldn't seek revenge after recapturing the Afghan capital for the first time in 20 years. Shaheen isn't just calling Western journalists live on air. He is also one of a handful of Taliban representatives on Twitter, making announcements to hundreds of thousands of followers about the intentions of the organization, which in recent weeks and months has uh, once again found a stronghold in Afghanistan with the withdrawal of the U.S. troops. In the past two days, Shaheen was, uh, has used Twitter to say the Taliban soldiers have been ordered not to enter people's homes and describe reports of, of soldiers were forcing young girls into marriage as poisonous propaganda. Uh, the story Shaheen is telling on Twitter about the Taliban's actions and intentions is at odds with the, with the news reports from the country and with the panic and the fear expressed by Afghan citizens, uh, many of whom have been trying to flee the country over the past few days. Um, that that video of people trying to hold on to that airplane literally falling from the sky. Jeez. It was it was bothersome. Um, but yeah, these are things. But uh, Shaheen's Twitter presence and a disconnect between what he says and what's being reported is a surprising twist in an ongoing battle fought by Twitter and other social media companies against extremists and terrorist organizations to ensure their platforms aren't being used to radicalize potential recruits or spread disinformation. Uh, but now it seems the Taliban are using social media to speak openly to a mainstream global audience in a bid to establish legitimacy. Companies are still trying to work out how to react. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's intense. And uh, I don't know if you saw this. There's on social media uh, this week. There is a kid. Uh, I don't know if he was like he had to be under 22, but he's holding up a sign that says Taliban, cut it out. <laughs> like, uh-huh. that's gonna do, like It's going to do a lot of help. Uh, Taliban, just cut it out. Just and, cut it out. Guys. And they're like, OK, we'll cut it out. Um, but yeah, it, I just we all know that that the information age has 
tons and tons of disinformation. Yes. And the fact that... And censored information. And so I think that now I think we as people are getting more in tune to what is and what isn't, hopefully, um, what is or isn't. Like, obviously, people weren't fleeing for their lives because everything's all hunky-dory in Afghanistan, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And just because some taliban spokesman on the internet says that yeah everything's great yeah he tweeted that yeah then why did you recapture the capital (laughs) we're taking this over baby we'll be doing it nicely (laughs) you know yeah anywho yeah i i just i wanted to touch base on a little bit stuff going on taliban yeah uh so uh, there's a new story about dna i didn't hear about dna until the uh, the oj thing that's the first time i actually heard about Mm -hmm. dna uh but dna this time solves a decades old murder so in 1989 you were one years old what oh my god just just back up for a second i make fun of people for saying one years old you just said it and i just said one years old Oh my God. I literally have heard a bunch of people say that recently. And I'm like, if you say one years old, I said it. One so, year old. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't know. Just, it's one of those days. <laughs> but in 1989, <laughs> uh, someone brutally attacked and murdered a 14 year old uh, Stephanie Isaacs on her way to school in Las Vegas. But they left behind a tiny clue. Uh, now, using the remains just 15 or, or of just 15 human cells. Uh, investigators have finally solved the cold case uh, and a man named Darren R. Mashan is her killer. They found out now, Isaacson's murder, uh, her, the murder case languished for decades uh, with no real suspects or evidence. It seemed like it was getting colder with each passing day. That is until the local uh, philanthropist named Justin Wu offered to pay the services for the genome sequencing f- uh, firm. So that's, that's some good news. Like, yeah, yeah that's if you think things I'm are bad pay for this. Yeah. Yes. I'm, so I'm happy that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Wu, Mr. Justin Wu. Uh, at that point, the Las Vegas police turned over their DNA evidence to Ortham, a Texas based lab that focuses specifically on cold cases. And slowly, uh, actually, Autram, excuse me, Autram began to build a genetic profile based on semen found at Isaac's on Isaacson's shirt. They didn't have much to go on, however. Popular at-home DNA tests often collect uh, up to uh, 1,000 nanograms of DNA, but DNA evidence is harder to detect at crime scenes where investigators often only find uh, hundreds of nanograms. Uh, So they've had just 1.2 nanograms of DNA. Just 12. Yeah, yeah. Is that 12? I don't know why there's a period there. <laughs> yeah. So they just found. I copy pasted that. I, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. They found one nanograms. One nanograms. Yeah. Uh, they found <laughs> just 12 nanograms to test uh, of the Isaacson case. In other words, they were they were tasked with finding a killer based upon the smallest DNA sample ever used. Nevertheless, after working with the DNA for seven months, uh, Autram had a name. They pointed they pinpointed Darren R. Mashan as Stephanie Isaacson's killer. I love this kind of stuff, first of all, because I love uh, true crime. Yeah. Uh, True story. You know, this is actually how they found the Golden State Killer as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, what ended up happening was, uh, you know, the the at-home DNA test that people do. Mm -hmm. Well, a person, um, I don't know if this was actually particularly legal 
mm-hmm. but I think they got warrants or something from the police department to do this. Um, but they, or maybe they didn't, I don't know. Uh, but they, they took DNA and matched it from uh, the crime scene to a, uh, a relative that had done one of those tests. Ooh. And they found out that that person uh, was the Golden State Killer. Jeez. Yeah. So I think he, like, because the Golden State Killer was very, very um, elusive mm-hmm. for many reasons. He started off as a Visalia City ransacker, my, where I was born, wow. Visalia, uh, breaking into people's homes and, like, just messing shit up. Um, Fucking shit up. But then his his things escalated more and more to, like, murder and stuff. Wow. Um, but then he never left evidence. That was the thing. Only one person ever saw him. Um, and still didn't even get like a good look at him. Wow. So he was just incredibly elusive and come to find out through DNA genome sequencing, they found a relative of his that identified him as this person. Wow. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a really good thing for a lot of like cold cases as well, especially stuff like this. Like we can find killers decades later, um, we can solve mysteries that have been kind of like, you know, this is a really great time for like crime and mysteries and, yeah. and stuff like that, because yeah. now a lot of this stuff is coming out into the open. Yeah. You can't get away with it no more, baby. Can't get away with it. Not with DNA. DNA. Not with everybody having DNA. DNA. <laughs> I mean, everyone has DNA, but we love DNA on this show. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, have you ever got a goldfish in a carnival? No, but I had goldfish growing up. I had a big, huge, my parents had a big fish tank. Well, I think one time I had a goldfish and I brought it home and it died like two days later. I had turtles die like that. I had frogs die like that too. Damn. I had frogs. Um, I didn't beat those bastards. Well, people in Minnesota apparently like to flush their goldfish, which you are not supposed to do. Wait, live goldfish or dead goldfish? Apparently live. Oh, damn. You know how fish grow depending on what they're in mm-hmm. like so for instance a, a goldfish will never grow bigger than like the the cage that they're in or the the, the tank that they're in mm-hmm. um well if they're in the open water they'll grow oh so authorities in burnsville minnesota have urged residents and owners of pet goldfish not to dispose of the family pet in lakes and ponds the city tweeted a warning that doing so has resulted in a takeover of one local lake by overgrown goldfish Whoa. This isn't the first time Minnesota lakes have over- become overrun with oversized goldfish. Last November, wildlife uh, officials found thousands of goldfish swimming in Big Woods Lake in Chaska, a suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, a team had to remove a truckload of 50,000 of the goldfish due to environmental issues no. caused by the fish. Yeah. Tons. And plus, they, they procreate too. So, jeez. Wait, 500,000? 500,000 goldfish. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the problem has also cropped up in Boulder, Colorado and uh, Lake Tahoe, Nevada, where researchers have found thousands of goldfish in local lakes and both areas years ago. Uh, the act of dumping unwanted goldfish into local ponds is actually illegal in most states, including in Minnesota, oh. where the problem has recently cropped up. Uh, it's considered illegal fish stocking and has been turned up in every corner of Minnesota as laid out in a piece in Minnesota Conservation Volunteer, a magazine from the State Department of Natural Resources. Resources? Resources. Resources. I can't. Never mind. (laughs) Such fish stocking upsets the balance of existing natural fish communities. 
and spreads disease, the point the piece points out. Goldfish are considered invasive species that uproot underwater plants and compete with native fish for food and shelter. Mm. Speedy reproducer reproducers. Where's <laughs> Wow. Uh, the fish live up to 25 years and are a real pain to remove. Wow. If you're a pet owner and have realized a decades long commitment with your goldfish is not what you had in mind, the U S fish and wildlife service recommends putting Goldie up for an adoption. Another alternative is to contact a local veterinarian or pet retailer to find out ways to humanely dispose of the fish without causing harm to native fish species in your local neighborhood. Don't chop them up. Don't flush your fish. Yeah. Don't put them in the garbage. <laughs> you should see the picture though. They're like giant. This guy had them in his hand. They're this big i want to go back to this so they grow depending on the body of water that they're in how is that possible does the water do something to them or did, are they it's like the space or did they are they like i mean yeah, i mean what i'm saying does the the amount of water coming in do that to them is it like the- no I, I think what it is is i think their their cells are conscious of like the environment that they're in damn that's some- and so they can grow bigger depending on if it, they're in a bigger environment man there's some crazy shit sentient cells sentient cells hmm. the cells are sentient well you are the year of the dragon you yes, are I am. Yes, I am. so i thought of this uh, when i was talking to you so uh there's a uh, uh an animal that's like a dragon well australia is home to man-eating sharks giant spiders and about 100 varieties of venomous snakes. About 105 million years ago, however, a more terrifying predator hunted the skies above, and researchers are now comparing it to a real-life dragon. What? Arr. Dragon. Not the year of the dragon, but an actual dragon, the thing that like uh, Khaleesi had. Uh, researchers <laughs> in the University of Queensland uh, this week announced the discovery of a new predasaurus. Uh, Pterosaur. I know. It was, I, I said Pre- that. Predosaurus. He, but he was that too. He was both of them. He was a pterosaur and uh, they named it. Uh, hey, the, what do you call a gay dinosaur? A megasaurus? Yeah. <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah. But there's a, you know, so with this wing species was nearly 30 feet. Uh, the skull alone was about three feet and had 40 razor sharp teeth uh, filling the mouth like a spear. So this uh, uh, predator, I want to call it a predator now. I know it's a pterosaurus, but it's likely to cast a fearsome shadow over the young dinosaurs, or it was, in large fish of the prehistoric uh, seas, uh, which covered most of the uh, what's now the outback over in Australia. Don't make fun of me. I love how you asked me earlier. Are there any difficult words? That I'm <laughs> Don't tell people that I'm slow. <laughs> today at least no 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 no. you're you're actually very smart for skipping those words i wouldn't know how to pronounce them uh supercalifragilistic expialidocious but it's also one of three uh pterosaurs of its kind found in australia and the biggest the creature's fossilized jaw was initially found in 2011 by a local man named lynn shaw who had been scratching around sorry he'd been scratching around the quarry uh of northwest northwest richmond for years (laughs) Now, the researchers named the species after Shaw, while, while it's genus, uh, I'm going to try this time, the Punga? The Pungaka. The Pungaka. Okay. Uh, it came from a conjunction of the indigenous, uh, I wanted to say watermelon, uh, indigenous uh, Wanamara, nations one, uh, one of the nation's word for spear and mouth. 
making it a fearsome new dinosaur named uh, literally translated Shaw's spear mouth. Uh, now, I don't know if Shaw likes that. Not only is this uh, animal the largest predator, the largest pterosaur ever found in Australia, it is likely among the most menacing predators to ever live. I ever, mean, ever. what would you do? I mean, I, I don't want to go to Australia. Scream like a bitch. I don't want to go to Australia ever. Like, <laughs> really? I would be okay, like in Sydney, perhaps, maybe Melbourne, because you know a lot of people around but mm-hmm. i would never be caught dead in the bush like with the spiders oh gotcha. uh when i was um or w- when i was doing um what was it life coaching mm-hmm. last year my, my life coach is in australia oh wow. and he posted on um on instagram one day like just a giant spider that was in his room oh wow so he <laughs> was just like oh my god i just like skittered out the door but um yeah i mean prehistoric times even Oh yeah, worse. I wouldn't like a spider from sleep. No, I'm not like when some people are really scared, really scared of spiders. Uh, I'm not that, but for me, it's it's rats. I'm like, ah. I used to have pet rats and r- rats and mice. I was uh somewhere in Ho- I was in Hollywood last week, and there was a dead rat on the street, and it looked like it, it looked like I didn't know whether it was dead or alive, <laughs> and I was like, ah. And I, think, <laughs> I think somebody said, I think I heard somebody say, he is scared. He's scared of a rat. I think I heard somebody say that, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. So. Do, do that again, though. He's scared of a rat. Oh, ah! Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a possum that lives right behind my window mm-hmm. in my apartment. Yeah, I see it all the time. And at night, I can hear it just like scratching around. It's really weird. Um, anywho, as usual, you can find links to all these articles used today in today's episode on our show notes located on our website at acosmicjourneypod.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for tuning in and be sure to like this video and subscribe for more every week. And if you're listening to the podcast, stay tuned because we will be joined by our special guest, Lino Martinez. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Tuned. That's my new word. Are you looking for guidance through your spiritual journey, Star Seeds? Well, Mimi Falco is a professional tarot reader, astrologer, and numerologer, and uses all of these tools at her disposal to help provide spiritual insights that can give context to your life experiences and assist you on your own journey and your daily life. And in her session, she covers things like how to understand yourself better, uncovering emotional patterns, and what special messages your spirit guides are sending to you. In addition, her apothecary is full of goodies like handmade soy and crystal candles to help you clear your energy, ground yourself, uh, center yourself. She's a one-stop shop. I had so much fun with you on the show. Me too. You know, when she was on the show, she did a little astrology reading for us and she discussed Chiron, which is our wounded healer and it really helps me understand uh what the things that i need to do in order to heal and also the things that uh would help me along my journey so if you go into her shop you can also shop her specialty handmade crystal candles in lovely scents like love sobriety and courage her herbal teas like bright and early lemon lavender and be divine she also has soy candles in scents like grapefruit and patchouli rosemary and sage and wood and apple Ooh. And she also does a tarot for beginners. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can book a session with Mimi by visiting harveymountainalchemy.com and find her on Instagram at mimis.me. That's at M-I-M-I-S dot me at, and at harveymountain.alchemy.
Welcome back to the show, Star Seeds, and we have a very special guest for you today. We have uh, our friend, Doctor L- Lino Martinez. I don't know why yeah. I almost messed up your name. It's my, you're my friend. Why did I almost mess up your name? <laughs> you messed it. up it's a okay, lot. It happens. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Anyways, Lino is the author of a book of the book A Little Less Fear, host of the podcast of the same name. He is a playwright, a screenwriter, an ASL mentor, and an LGBTQ life coach. And he's also a friend of our show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome I'm so to happy to be on your show. Me. Thanks for having me. And thank you. Know, it's crazy. Is you introduced you? You said Star Seeds. Welcome Star Seeds. A while ago, when I had my tarot cards read, um, I came out as a Star Seed. So that you're right <laughs> on with that. Nice. <laughs> came out again, did we? <laughs> yeah. Come out once again, Star Seed. Here we go. It's a never ending. It's a never ending cycle, is it? There are multiple com- <laughs> outcomings coming out, comings out. I'm coming out dead next month, so. Just oh that. man! Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> At least wait till your birthday's over. Right, right, yeah. right. When is your birthday? The uh, the second next month. Next month, so you're uh, Libra, right? Virgo. Virgo. Oh, that's right. So is my ho- so is my best friend, my roommate. Yeah, Virgos. I love Virgos, and my mom's a Virgo too. Shout oh, out wow. to my mom. Yeah. Hi, mom. Hello. <laughs> cool. So we're gonna jump right into our rapid fire questions here. Let's do it. And they're pretty simple, so don't worry about it. Uh, so what is your star sign? My star sign. I'm a Capricorn. I'm actually a Capricorius. I'm on January 19th, which is oh. the cusp between um, Capricorn. I mean, the Aquarius and the end of Capricorn. So Aquarius. Yeah, and I'm really like it's every time I've done I've read my horoscope as far as like Capricorius goes, it's pretty accurate. It's like I'm not more Capricorn, I'm not more Aquarius, I'm very much right in the middle. Yeah, wow. totally. Yeah, I am definitely a Capricorius. I've never heard that before. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your hometown? My hometown, well, I was born in East LA. What up, East Los? <laughs> and then um when I was six or seven, our family moved us out to the San Bernardino County, the nine oh nine area code. That's and right. I lived out there till I was eighteen, nineteen, and then I came to Pasadena in two thousand two about and I've been here since. Nice. Um, where is your ideal vacation? Ooh. That's such a great question. Um, what I would I would think two things when you ask me that. The first thing I thought of, um, in order for me to know what my ideal vacation would be, I would have had to have had that experience. Mm. So um, you've never I had a vacation. Have, I'm sorry. Are you saying you never had a vacation? Oh, I've had vacations, but as far oh. as an ideal vacation, there's more fantasies. Like, I would like to oh, go okay. to Spain. I would like to go to Italy, or I'd like to go to the Czech Republic for like a month or two. Oh. But I can't really say that's ideal since I haven't been there and had that experience. Oh, so oh. based well, on dream my vacation, ex- then what's that? <laughs> dream vacation, then. Sure, those are probably my dream vacations. Going to Europe. Cool. Nice. nice. I got to go there one time too. What's your favorite book? My favorite book. Oh, man, I've read so many good books and I don't I can't really say that I have a favorite because so many have helped me and changed me and given me the opportunity to grow inside and out. Mm-hmm. And I don't really pay. Um, I'm not too biased and I don't really play favoritism too often. So I can't I can't really answer that right now. I don't <laughs> have a favorite book. I love all of them. That's what it is. I love yes. books. I do uh, love books. What is your dream car? 
you know, I don't have a dream car. Um, I try to be as unmaterialistic as possible. Um, mm-hmm. My dream These legs, <laughs> Chevrolet. These legs, the Chevrolet legs, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I would like to have an electric vehicle to be better for the planet. That's for sure. Yeah, me too. I want a Tesla. Secretly, I want a Tesla. <laughs> All right, secretly, so do I. But, <laughs> but you know, not so secretly. <laughs> nice. Every we all know now. The the show knows. Yeah, that. we all know. Tesla would be nice. I definitely yeah. want something environmental friendly. Yes. What about your favorite season? I always love to ask people this. What's your favorite season? I love the fall. I love the fall. I really do. Um, I just love the way the temperature starts to kind of change slowly it kind of starts to creep in and all of a sudden it you get the halloween feels you know inside Ooh. and you want to put on that denim jacket or a, just a little sweater over i love that feeling mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that too uh what is a strength of yours the strength of mine is writing um i find that in strengths are usually people's natural abilities Mm-hmm. And I started writing when I was five years old. It's a natural ability that's probably come from many past lives. So, um, yeah, strength is writing. Yeah. Wow. What about a weakness? A weakness of mine is um, being too nice and not having enough boundaries. And mm-hmm. I'm learning through actually to another tarot, a tarot reader that told me that um, the reason why I've been single for seven years is because I'm not good with boundaries. <laughs> and that my spirit guides, yeah, have been pulling me back because I give myself too much. Mm-hmm. And it's made sense to me because even recently with people that flake on me or don't respond back or say they're going to do something and then they don't, like I'm still reaching out and I'm realizing why am I still being that super duper nice guy? I need to learn how to put some boundaries because um, things won't start to flow easily until I learn the nature of the importance of having boundaries for your energy. Ooh, preach. I like that. Preach. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you won the lottery, what is the first thing you would buy? This is probably a dumb question, too, because you're just like, I don't like being materialistic. <laughs> but what if you did, what would yeah. be the first? Well, the first thing I would do is um, finish paying off my parents' divorce because it's been pretty mm. expensive for them. And oh. then um, probably move my mom out here because driving over to the 909 all the time is a lot. And then I would find ways to donate to uh, different Buddhist meditation centers, and um, I would also donate to the LGBTQ centers and people that are homeless. Wow! And then Amazing. after that, um, probably invest in a condo or a small a small house or something. Amazing. That is that is because the homelessness thing is is huge. Mm-hmm. Just the uh, last couple of years, it's gotten really huge. So yeah, especially in the LGBTQ community, it's even bigger there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we need as much help as we can get. So now we're pulling for you to win the lotto. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's win, if, let's win. If you could have dinner with any three people, living or alive, who would they be? Did I say living or alive? Living or alive. Yeah. <laughs> Either one. If you could have a dinner with three people, uh, living or not living, that would be dead. Uh, <laughs> who would they be? I think um, Nikola Tesla would probably be one. I just am fascinated by his mind, and I really, really want to know um, whether he's was ever human, or whether he was from another planet, or whether he was because he just comes, he was out of this world. So I think he's probably the first person I'd like to talk to, and then probably um, people who think out of this world. Really, um, probably Albert Einstein, and then the Ooh. third one. 
I'd probably like to have dinner with um, either Stevie Wonder or Jose Feliciano, who are living singers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really inspired by people that are blind or have some type of physical disability, but yet they're able to channel their love through music. And I love music, and I just can't imagine having lose that that sensory uh, perception that we're so used to. I mean, it's no yeah. wonder why they sing so beautifully because they're channeling so many other different senses all at once. Oh, yeah. So I would be really, really enthused to speak to them and and see and try to figure out music in their perspective. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Interesting about a uh, little side here. Uh, interesting thing about Tesla. Number one, he was a socialist. He like uh, patented all this stuff, but he sold his stuff because he didn't want uh, he, he didn't want to like make money off of it. So he like wanted everything he wanted. His idea was like free energy. So that's what he was kind of working towards. Oh, yeah. And then he died alone in a hotel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's he has a sad story, and I think it's because he he came at a time when humanity wasn't ready for him. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think we would ever be really ready for him, but he has, there's no question that he is like all the things that we do here in this, these lights that we have here, like that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh yeah. yeah. And maybe they, we'd be ready for him because you think about the electric vehicles. I mean, like mm -hmm. 50 years ago, they would not, the government, you know, nobody would have allowed, you know, non-gas powered uh, vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we would be more ready for him now. I mean, we were ready for Stephen Hawking and um, yeah, he's he was kind of one of them. I would put him in that category. Yeah. yeah. I keep telling him we should do an episode just on Tesla. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm down. I'm down to join. That'd be great. That would be awesome. I, I thought we had done one. We haven't done one on Tesla? No, I think we've mentioned him a We've few talked times. about yeah. him enough that I thought we had done one. So yeah. We should do one. Yeah. 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 Cool. So now we get into like the meat of the conversation here. So all right. Let's get meaty. All about you. <laughs> um, so you're a doctor. Let's talk yes. about your doctorate. So I completed my doctorate in clinical psychology in October 2010. Um, initially, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, and I worked at a rehab for about five years. And um, in those five years, there are five patients that committed suicide. And I realized that what I want to do with my life is help people help people. Mm. And when people are dying, after I give it all I got, after I come home exhausted, after seeing seven patients back to back, it was bringing me down and it wasn't, it wasn't pushing me towards, it wasn't lighting me up. Right. And um, in order for me to light up, I need to be able to be myself. I need to be able to um, transmit my creativity. And that wasn't happening there. Mm. Um, the good thing about that is that I learned a lot about myself. I learned mm. a lot about my internal struggles and I learned that some people just can't be helped as much as you try. And that's okay because everyone's got their own different missions in life. Everyone's got their own, um, nobody knows when you're going to die. So, um, with that said, um, I decided to use my education and as fuel to help others in a different way. And that's through my podcast. Wow. I love that. Me too. Thank you. Uh, I have a quote from your website. Uh, someone says that uh, your dissertation uh, explored ways to help women suffering with chronic uh, urological uh, conditions by 
using the existentialism existentialism i need to blow this up a little bit and provides a model for therapeutics for a therapeutic setting sorry to butcher that <laughs> not at all um, so at what all. is existentialism and what does it have to do with urological conditions yeah so existentialism questions why do i exist and those were common questions like aristotle and like back in the day people were always that's why there was so much philosophy going on because everything was going on about existence why are we mm. exist why are we even here and I found that um, at the time when I was thinking about what dissertation I was I was going to write about, um, I wanted to be passionate about it. I wanted something where I was going to, with my own energy, want to dig up research and figure things out. So at the time, I mean, I'm, I have a genetic disease, a rare genetic disease called Mucklewell syndrome, um, statistically one in a million. And at the time I was female identified. I'm actually, I call myself intersex because I've got two parts. Um, and, but I was raised female and at the time I was female identified and the genetic disease was very much, um, controlling my body, controlling this wow. physical body mm -hmm. and it controlled my nerves and my muscles to the point where I wasn't able to pee anymore. And because I wasn't able to pee, um, my, my, it was just, it was a crazy, I mean, it was a series of. 15, 20, 30, 40 surgeries later. But wow. at the time when I was going to school and I wasn't able to pee and I was having all these issues, um, I thought, well, how can I make my dissertation be so specific to help people that are going through this? Because if I'm going through this, I can't be the only one going through this. Right. There's gotta be a lot of people suffering from not being able to pee. So um, that's when I decided to write that book, the uh, my dissertation, and basically using the theories of Aristotle, of Viktor Frankl, and a bunch of other um, long gone doctors that raised the question of why do we exist? Why are we here? So I concluded at the end um, that if you find your purpose, if you find your why, um, there's really not that much room left to have um, any type of means to express yourself as a depressed person mm -hmm. and by finding your purpose and your why you're able to grow within and keep going no matter how bad and debilitating a disease is wow yeah and something you said that i i really really liked when you talked about uh you suffering and you you know wanting to help other people suffering which is huge 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 rather than just you know staying stuck in it uh, I think that's, you know, helpful for other folks and helpful for you. Like, uh, so that's awesome. I could actually do a little bit more of that. Oh yeah, I can't, this is definitely my calling. I'm here, I'm on a mission in life and I'm just going with what I'm, I don't know if I preset myself before I was born, before I was incarnated here, or if mm -hmm. the higher gods want me to do this, but I feel that this is my purpose. So I'm just going with it. Nice. Totally. Good purpose. Thank so, you. um, this was a, a, further down question, but you already mentioned it. So what is Muckle-Well syndrome? That's a really, um, it's a difficult question to answer really short, but I'm going to do my best. Yeah. Um, it's a mutation <laughs> in the gene um, NLRP3 genetic variant. And um, basically it's an auto-inflammasome, auto-inflammatory disease. And it affects everything and can affect everything in your body from all your organs, all your nerves, um, your muscles, um, everything. And it's basically, you've heard of flight and fight 
um when your body's yeah. in flight and fight it's basically like my body's been in flight and fight 24 7 since the day i was born it's never wow. been able to rest yeah wow and when it's in flight and fight it creates a an inflammatory response and when things are constantly inflamed it causes all kinds of shit to go down yeah, yeah. i bet wow yeah. that's a lot to deal with yeah it really it has been yes it's, so how it did is, you... it's 24 7 job it yeah. is so how did you manage that well, I didn't get a diagnosis till 36. So the first 36 wow. years of my life was in and out of hospitals. I mean, quite literally from the time I was born with the cord wrapped around my neck, I was supposed to die, but apparently I didn't. So um, it, oh. I feel, I actually really feel that the cord was wrapped around my neck and I was about a month early because a mother's body knows how to miscarry a child when it's not gonna be healthy. So mm -hmm. I feel that was gonna happen, but, um, the other gods said, nope, we need this person. So here I am. And my like um, my all my surgeries started at age 26. And from 26 to now that I'm about to be 42, I've had over 40 surgeries. Um, I average about two or three a year. Then that's just to keep me um, stable, modified. That's wow. intense. Yeah. That is intense. Yeah, it is intense. The most intense surgery was losing my urinary bladder. That was extremely intense for me and life-changing and, and uh, losing my voice. I'd lost my voice for two years. That was very intense mm -hmm. as well. But um, all these intense journeys that I've gone through are meant to be a voice for other people. So that's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm using my experiences for that. Diamonds are created under extreme pressure. Yeah. And tell us a little uh, bit more about your, uh, you sing. You love. You said you love music and and that sort of thing. So I yeah, I sang mariachi when I was a teenager, and I loved it. <laughs> there's there's no other better feeling than being on stage and just entrancing people. It's it's a really beautiful thing. Um, the voice is definitely an instrument. Um, the hard part right now is like my right vocal cord is in paresis, so I'm talking mm -hmm. by forcing my left vocal cord right now. It's kind of like mm. finding that balance. Mm. And um, when I sing too much, it's not necessarily a good thing um, for my vocal cords. So um, I wish I could sing again. And I have a goal to be able to sing again. And I think I will. I think I will down the line. I'm not sure when or how, but I'm going to do it. Nice. Well, we're sending you energy to be able to. I know you yeah, will. Yeah, Yes, you. I know you will. Feel that energy shooting down. <laughs> <laughs> Have we talked? We haven't talked about the book. No, not yet. Uh, so, in your book, a little less fear, uh, coming out in October nineteenth. Uh, where is it going to yeah. be on Amazon? It's going to be on Amazon. Yeah, I'm also going to reach out to Keanu Reeves. I know he has a bookstore. I want to reach out to him. Wow, um, he does a lot of indie stuff. So, uh, hopefully, I can get mine in in his bookstore. That'd be great. Oh wow, that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, I heard a story the other day that Keanu Reeves went into <laughs> ArcLight really? and saw. <laughs> It's all the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think I've heard that. Like he just he just walked in and said, "Like I want to I want to watch the Matrix." <laughs> that That's sounds so cool. Well, you're Keanu Reeves, so okay. <laughs> yeah. Now about the book, though, can you tell us a little bit about it? About the concept, the idea, just uh, whatever you want to tell us about about the book. Yes. Yeah, so the idea came years ago. Um, all the many times I spent hours and hours and days and days in the hospitals and. 
nurses and doctors would continuously look at my chart and be like, you've had how many surgeries? You can't, mm. you don't even look like you've had one. <laughs> and then they're like, so many of them would be like, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. And I'm like, okay, well, if everyone's telling me I got to write a book, then I got to write a book. Mm. So, um, but wh when, when was going to be the right time? That was, that was the question. And the right time happened when, um, when the quarantine hit. And mm. then I was like, all right, I'm like, everyone else is home. This is the time to do it. So um, it took me about six months to write it. And it was, um, I just, once I honed in, I, I, was, I was just zoned in and just kept writing. And it's basically about my life from the time I was born to, to now, to 40 years old, actually. Um, everything I went through growing up um, with a really strong, strict Catholic family, my dad cheating on my mom various times, um, my mom holding on to it um, mm. when I started to get sick, the times I wanted to be myself, which means dressing like a boy, and all the times my, my parents fought me and my mom fought me to to wear bows in my hair and be the most beautiful, prettiest girl. Mm. And um, just, a, I mean, it's basically my whole life. It's 324 pages. Um, 50 of those pages are of my poems. And I've got a lot of pictures in there, too, of a lot of the surgeries I went through. And the reason I did that, and so I had a couple proofreaders look through it and they're like, well, I skipped through those surgery pictures. I can't see that. I'm like, well, you can't see that. But, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I purposely did it because I know that there will be some people who will be grossed out by it. But that's the reality and that's the truth. And this is what I went oh. through and that's what it looks like. And that's what it looks like for many people who have their guts open and their stomach open with feeding tubes and all kinds of stuff. So... I uh, just wanted to be raw and real in my book. Wow. Your book is called A Little Less Fear. Why not show the most scariest thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Once we have that kind of darkness in the light, there's nothing to be afraid about. I agree with you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, so the podcast has the same name. <laughs> uh, is it like the book or is it something different? So um, it came through, uh, the name of the podcast came because I was meditating and wondering, I, I always wanted to do, uh, I'm certain in a past life, probably my last life, I was some type of radio show host or something because radio has come natural to me. Even in undergrad, I, I was a, a DJ for the university. So um, it just, having a mic, I guess, has been as natural as it has been for me singing. And I was thinking about my natural abilities and and what I could do while I'm quarantined and starting a new career. And now that I have my voice back, um, I had gifted my voice to the higher realms when I was in silence for two years. And I made a promise mm. that if I got my voice back, I would use it to help those without a voice. Mm. So now that I'm on the right medications and things are aligning and I've got my voice back, I decided to start to promote myself, my future book, and decided to call it. First, I wasn't sure whether I wanted less fear, but then I was like, nah, that sounds like that no fear brand, you know, no fear, less fear, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So then it's I asked one of my homies. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I asked one of my homies and he was like, go with, the, go with a little less fear. I'm like, the same name in my book. All right, cool. I'll do it. And then, um, with that, um, there's a lot of topics I thought, well, you know, what's going to be the topic? I'm like, the topic's going to be anything. And it's going to be all topics that inspire people because that's what I'm here to do is I motivate people. Wow. Keep, keep them motivated. So, yeah. I like that. Little known fact, I was a guest on the podcast just over <laughs> yes, Pride Month. You were. 
you had a special kind of going on for like the month and people's coming out story. So I, I shared my coming out story there. Aww. Yes. Dimitri Wild, everybody. He, yes. he was on my podcast at the LGBTQ <laughs> series in June. Check him out. Yeah. And I love your coming out story. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, great. you told us a little bit about a, a lot, actually, about Muckle Wells and about how you had the surgeries to kind of to maintain. Is there anything else you, uh, you know, you have to do to maintain on a daily basis or uh, regularly? Like, how do yeah. you manage? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And you're asking me a lot of questions that people don't ask. So I appreciate it. Yeah. The only one that knows my my daily basis is my roommate. Oh. And my cats. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I can show you. I've got a feeding tube. Let me see here. This is my feeding tube right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, and these are some of my scars right here. And this is, um, it's padded, but this is where I pee out of. There's, oh. a, there's a little hole, and I catheterize through there. Wow. So I catheterize every three to four hours, depending on how much I intake, how much liquid I intake. Okay. If I don't catheterize on time, there'll be leakage and I don't oh, want to wow. pee, pee on myself in public. So I'm kind of like a baby, yeah. always timing myself, looking at the time, like, okay, I got three hours to do this. So that's my one of my daily things. I do a tube feeding twice a day and um, by mouth, the um, my third meal. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see here. I get to manage the spasms of my disease because I have a, um, the disease has, I've acquired a movement disorder from the disease, um, dystonia, generalized dystonia, which is um, muscle cramping and spasming throughout my body um, constantly. Like, it doesn't stop. So I get Botox injections on my legs and my pelvic muscles, and that's all to control the spasms and a bunch of medications. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Botox just like kills the nerves and, and the muscle, right? It, it, it numbs it. It, it, it like paralyzes it for about three months. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also, I inject twice a day with a biologic medication called Anakinra that, that quiets down the inflammation. And then every other week I inject with another biologic immunosuppressant medication called Kanakinumab that also um, brings the inflammation down in my body. Wow. Quite the regimen. Yeah, that's a lot of management. Yeah. Yeah. And then I inject every Thursday with testosterone to continue myself as a man. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. I mean, all this work, we're happy to have you. (laughs) Yes. 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 All this work to be a human. Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's so crazy. Um, so you had a, a blog post that I wanted you to kind of, uh, touch on here. So, um, it was on, yeah, it was on, it's called in transition since May, 2014. Uh-huh. I began my transition from female to male almost seven years ago. I lived the first 34 years of my life as a female. It has not been easy transitioning. It's also been a genetic disease and having disabilities, let alone being a minority in the society. Mm. Uh, questions. Uh, when did you start? When, when did you start to decide? How do you put this? When did you decide to start transitioning medically? And can you describe that process? Yeah, I decided in when I was 34 years old and it was when I was in the hospital and um, I'm just so down with all the disabilities and all the things I was going through. And I was like, you know what? All I ever wanted to do is be a boy. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I, I didn't ask to be born with all this other bullshit. I, all I want to do is wear a polo shirt, some cords and be good and look in the mirror and be like, that's who you are inside. Mm. And um, so I started obsessing. Um, by going on YouTube and going on Tumblr and seeing a lot of um, 
transitions, MTF, FTM, and how it was possible to do it in this life. And I was like, wow, I can be myself in this life and I don't have to fake it. So um, I made the decision without telling my parents. I just, I just said, I have to do this if I want to live a complete life because the female part of me was dying. Like mm -hmm. my, 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 and by the way, Mr. <laughs> By by the way, um, do you? I don't know. Do you have a stage name, Jay John? Uh, Jay, yeah, Jay Maceo. That's your stage name. So yeah, on the show, I just go by Jay, the beginning part of it, but Jay Maceo, which is my first initial and my middle name. Okay, so when I saw Jay Maceo live on stage, um, <laughs> he thank you for actually, coming. Yeah, oh, it was, it was a pleasure. He actually sang a song that called Carolina, and Carolina is my birth name. And when Ooh. he sang that song, it brought me to tears because there's been in the last seven years, a huge neglect that I've, I've completely let her go. And I think that that's been that not a good thing yeah. because by letting her go completely, I haven't given her the acknowledgement that she brought me here. Wow. She gave, yeah. She birthed Lino. So I can't, I recently, and thanks to your beautiful song, it opened up oh. doors and made me realize that I need to be more thankful of the past rather than just trying to erase it. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, when I was going through all that surgeries, I was like, you know, what will it take for me to transition? Okay, well, it takes two years of therapy. I've had 10 already and my doctors already know that I'm a guy inside. Yeah. That That's not a problem. What's the next thing? Like getting my titties cut off? No big deal. I've already had 27 <laughs> surgeries. I have I have no no feeling here. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And then third thing would have been a hysterectomy, which happened a year and a half ago, to get rid of the insides and then get circumcised to have my genitalia look just to let it blossom. Mm -hmm. And all that took about seven years to where I'm at now. My last conversion surgery. I don't know how if I'm saying it right. Sorry, LGBTQIA people, if I'm not representing you right. But um, <laughs> I feel like I fully became myself about a year and a half ago. And now it's time for me to bring back Carolina and welcome her for for giving me this opportunity. Wow. And you and you mentioned that you did it without telling your parents. How did they take it? How was that process? I told them very slowly, like after three months when my voice started changing, because I went through a second puberty. Everything you guys mm -hmm. go through, I went through. My voice started cracking. I started getting, you know, stubbles in my hair and my face, mm -hmm. you know. So when my voice started changing and I started getting some prickles on my face and my parents were like, what's going on here? What's happening? You know? And I was like, <laughs> well, um, my doctors recommended that I do take, that I get on testosterone because it's best for my mental health and it's best for me physically, which was the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just waited to tell them I was afraid. And they're like, uh huh. So like <laughs> the first two years, my mom, my mom, she was really hurt. And the first, Three years, my dad was destroyed. I mean, in tears, they, I was a really beautiful girl and their only daughter, because I have an older brother. So to them, it was like, Carolina's dead. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, where's my baby girl? So um, it took some time for them to get to know me. And I was really hurt because I would tell them, you know, this really shows me that you never knew me. You only saw that girl, that pretty mm -hmm. girl, because my personality hasn't changed. It's the same. The only thing is my voice is deeper and I'm hairy, you know? <laughs> so it's like <laughs> that's really the only the, the only difference because the spirit energy is still the same soul it's the same spirit 
Yeah. So um, it took them some time to get to know me. And when they finally got to know me, they they embrace me now and they see me for who I am. So it, it was quite a challenge. I love that you use that phrase, got to know me. Mm. Like that is absolutely the truth. Like, yeah, like yeah. people haven't have a preconceived notion no matter who you are, even if you're a stranger, if you're a parent, like you have a preconceived notion about a person, whether they be your child or a, a person you're on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not until you actually get to know that person that you get to know who they are on a deeper level. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I felt kind of like, in. I know they were injured and so was I, but I was just like, you guys never knew me. You never knew me all along. What about all the times I was dressing like a boy and wearing backwards hats? You just thought I was some dyke? I mean, well, <laughs> like, come on. Like, I mean, geez. So, yeah, I mean, it, it took them a while to finally see me and see my personality and, and who I am. And and I'm, I'm very fortunate that they're both alive. Yeah. Still, so. It's always been there. It's yes. always been there. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, so referring back to that previous post, so you talk about the difficulties you face with being trans disabled, your genetic disease and being a minority. So how do you keep yourself mentally and emotionally stable when dealing with these issues daily? Yeah. Well, the first thing, the most important thing to realize and tell myself every day is that we're all empty. We're all made of stardust, you know, that these are all bodies that we've embodied to complete a mission in life. If you even think that, and if you don't and try your best to figure out your purpose in life, mm-hmm. but what the vessel that we're in physically is the vessel that you're should really work to be the most comfortable in. And while you're working on yourself to being most comfortable, what stabilizes me is knowing that everybody in the world is suffering equally. Mm. Like nobody will ever know what it's like to have over 40 surgeries or lose their voice or lose their bladder or have a fit. Nobody nobody will know my exact life. Just like I won't know your exact life. There's no Mm. way. There's no like a ghostbuster ghost, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, frequency, you know, whose pain is more. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even so there, painometer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Painometer. There's no type of painometer. Everyone's pain is equivalent. My pain of, of not being able to walk for a year could be equivalent to the pain of somebody that broke your heart last night. Mm. So um, what keeps me stable is knowing that everybody is suffering equally and that it's best to have compassion for everyone. Oh, wow. (laughs) We're all suffering. (laughs) Wow. We are. We are. We are. Everybody. I I laugh because if I don't laugh, I'll cry. (laughs) But it's true. Like, yeah, like everyone's everybody's suffering. Everybody's suffering. We're just all here on this horrible planet suffering. (laughs) That depressed me a little bit. A little bit. I think it's funny. <laughs> Speaking about well, it. Well, I mean, it's it's it could be funny. It could be funny and I just it have could a be dark sad. sense of humor. <laughs> it, it, it could no, not at all. I mean, it's just everybody everybody's suffering, that's the truth. And uh, some people um here's the thing that I that I've realized is just because I'm suffering doesn't mean that I'm in pain. Right. So um you could be suffering, but you don't have to be in pain with it. Mm, okay i love that yeah i love that uh as far as uh, you talked about a little bit about the, the the transition but did you ever get did that ever cause any depression absolutely oh yeah in and out of depression mm. and i especially became the most depressed um when i lost my voice because um my voice was my engine my voice was mm. my what inspired people my voice was what got me on stage my voice was what got me to do well in school, what made me be the student speaker for my graduation. It was my voice was a lot of things. 
and um, people knew me before Carolina as like this girl with this big voice because she had a big, a big voice for, for a very feminine looking girl. And um, it, it was, I had to learn a whole new way to communicate. I, I didn't know if my voice was, would be lost forever. Mm. And I had to go learn, I had to go to science school. Um, luckily, mm. my father paid for it. I'm very fortunate. I went to two years of science school. I'm still barely like kindergarten level. Um, and there's still no definite as to whether or not I will keep this voice that I have now, especially while one still continues in paresis. I mean, I don't know the future. So I'm hoping that once um, the pandemic dies down, I'll be able to go to a local community college and finish my studies in, um, in ASL to yeah. prepare myself for what could possibly happen and to continue to help the deaf population. So um, everything that I hear, I mean, I do wear a hearing aid because my left hearing isn't that great, my left side. Mm. And um, whatever I hear are is is the upper hand against, unfortunately, um, towards the deaf people since they can't hear. So whatever I learn right now in this loud world, I will transmit to them when I'm able to. Oh. I might join you in those ASL classes, truthfully. Oh, that would be great. It's fun, oh, okay. too, by the way. What's that? It's fun, too. Oh, yeah. What's What's funny is, like, my mom, actually, when I was young, she was going to college and she was studying ASL. And oh. I actually learned my ABCs through her great. and several other things, you know, like, yes and no and stuff like that. But yeah. um, uh, I've always wanted to do it again. I'm not a big, like, language person, uh, but for some reason... Uh, ASL kind of is okay with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, I'm down. Let's go. Um, what is the next question here? Uh, so, okay, we've already kind of been alluding to this all throughout because you kind of sprinkled in this kind of like Buddhist wisdom on us, like here, here with thou. Um, so you volunteer at a Buddhist temple. How has studying Buddhism helped you on your journey? Oh, man, it's helped me immensely. You know, it's always, um, we learn in Buddhism that everyone's got a Buddhist nature in them. We are born with it. You're, everyone's born with this Buddhist nature. And unfortunately, in, because of our environment or society or whatever, it, it starts to get buried. Mm -hmm. So um, the question is more like, how did my Buddha nature become awakened? Mm -hmm. And it started to become awakened years ago. Um, my first job when I was 15 and a half, I worked at Sam Goody's. You guys remember Look, Sam Goody's? I remember yeah. Sam Goody's, yes. <laughs> A lot of our listeners probably don't. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm sure they don't. But so it was a CD store. And I remember uh, at 15 and a half, I was stacking in CDs, putting them away. And I saw this one called this section called Buddha Bar. And I was like, Buddha Bar? What is this about? <laughs> so then I, I bought my discount was pretty good where like the CDs were like two bucks or something. And wow. so I bought like wow. the whole compilation. And I didn't understand it back then. It was just a lot of like, like. <laughs> I was like, what do I do with this? You know, <laughs> I didn't understand it. Yeah, I didn't get it, but I still, I kept the CDs. So I know that that part of the Buddha nature of me has been there. And then finally, now it came to me um, two, year, two and a half years ago. I was online trying uh, my favorite play, Christmas play is a Christmas Carol. I love it. Ooh. Mickey's Christmas Carol. That one's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love the story of Scrooge and how he obviously becomes unscrooged after seeing the three ghosts of past, present, and future. I love the story. So I was looking in to see um, when the next Christmas Carol was coming on, and then it said, Buddhist, monk, live, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? I want to see a live monk on stage. That's incredible. So I went to see who was our monk at the um, 
at, at Kadampa Meditation Center in Hollywood or uh, Los Angeles, Los Feliz actually to be more mm. correct. And there he was in the middle of the stage in his robes, which is one spotlight and the audience was full and it was quiet and peaceful. And I just felt this presence that I'd never felt before. Very holy presence. Wow. And I was like, what? And I was just focused after that. And it just, I just kept going. I felt like, you know what? I want to be like that. I want to be more like him. And to be more like him requires a lot of discipline, a lot of reading, a lot of schooling, mm -hmm. a lot of um, volunteering, and just being involved in that community. Right. And it, mm -hmm. it's helped me by just keeping me on my journey. It's helping me by meeting people that don't have other intentions. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, I always felt like before when I would meet people, especially as a female, because as a female, I got way too much attention, a little too much. <laughs> and it's like, who can I trust? You know? So mm -hmm. it was like, you couldn't, I couldn't trust any guy because it's like, they weren't opening the door to be nice. They're opening the door to give it to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just like, all right, well, as a guy, I've become more, more secluded, more quiet, more shy. I'm getting to know myself. And when I started going to these meetings, um, people were really nice at these Buddhist meetings. Like, hi, how are you? How are you? And I was like, well, oh, nice. Okay, cool. And you're like, what do you want from me? Is what I thought in my head, you know? Yeah. But I realized these people don't want anything from me other than to shine their light with my light and to talk wow. about happy things and good things. And I was like, what? This is really, really genuine. And that's what's kept me there. Wow. Nice. What, what uh, resonates the most for you as far as Buddhist uh, philosophy or teachings? What resonates the most? Just having compassion. That's, mm. that's what resonates the most with me. Um, having compassion with everybody um, and knowing that everybody's suffering. That's the one thing that I've learned a lot from the Dharma teachings. Yeah. That just because somebody's a multimillionaire doesn't mean they're happy. So, mm. I mean, it's not material. It's it's not anything. I mean, the happiest people are actually, I was reading this. I listened to the Huberman Lab, if you guys listen to him at all. But um, I was re reading one of them, something about happiness and statistics and how actually people rated higher the poorer they were in internal happiness than the people that had more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just I've just learned to be happy with less. Wow. There's an island off the coast of Japan. I believe it's Osaka or something like that. Um, one of the happiest places on earth, they say. Really? What's yeah. it? Where at? I watched this documentary called uh, Happy. It's off of, um, it's just off of, it's an island off the coast of Japan. I think it's like Osaka, Japan or something like that. But all the people there, they, they don't have uh, modern technology. They don't have, um, they just are all farmers and stuff and they just take care of their families and, and, everyone around them is friends and happiest people in the world wow that's awesome yeah yeah goes with the statistic mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely yep. yep everyone just takes care of each other so um you're also very outspoken about being deaf and hearing impaired so and you're all i was i put fluent you're not fluent i guess <laughs> <As> you mentioned <laughs> earlier yet. in asl but what is one thing that people should know about the hearing impaired community about the deaf and the hard of hearing um, community, the thing that they need to know, they're tricky. I'm going to be honest, straight up. They're tricky. And they're tricky because there's, I've met, I'm <laughs> trying to think of ways to say things nicely here. They're shifty characters. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> they're trying to scam us? <laughs> well, there are the deaf people that are, that are welcome, that welcome hearing people. And there are deaf people that 
can be very rude to deaf to, to hearing people mm. and and they feel a lot of them feel we don't need help or or we don't need to be fixed we're fine the way we are mm. and mm. i i i it's challenging <laughs> for me because what's that i feel like that's a defense mechanism perhaps I think it can be definitely, and I—I I mean, even even my like audiologist doctor have told me that the deaf people have been really difficult for them because they're trying to help, but yet they're very like, "Well, I don't need this. I'm happy the way I am," mm. and it's like we're—I I feel that the, that a lot of deaf people because it—it's kind of like um, I think they've got a lot of preconceived anxiety that people the hearing population wants to harm them. And mm. I'm not sure where that stems from. Um, actually, I do know where it stems from. So think about back in, we can't, we weren't born back then. But in the 1950s and be, before that, which is not even, hasn't even been 100 years. I mean, mm. these, the deaf people were called deaf and dumb. That's really oh. fucked up shit. Yeah. I'm sorry to say it that way, but it is. Yeah. And they even had like posters that said, for the deaf and dumb, you know, and then there was sign language. So it's like they have that in them where like hearing people think we're just deaf and dumb. Mm. And they're not. The thing is they haven't been given the ability or or the time or or the acknowledgement to to have education. Mm. There's so uh, there's a lot of deaf friends I have that don't write. They don't know how to write well. They can't text well. The the stuff mm. hardly makes sense, but it's like how do you expect them to the when they went to hearing schools? Mm. They were neglected. I mean, just imagine doing this for a whole day, sitting in a classroom and just seeing people move their arms and chat and no one's communicating with you. It's like right. they it, and it's still like that right now. It's isolated. They still yeah. don't have education. Yeah, so there's a lot of people fighting for their education and they you need language to develop right so it's like um i think that the hearing peak community they as much as even if they get the deaf people don't want us deaf people don't want to deal with us understand that they're coming from a place where people have called them deaf and dumb so mm. with that said people need to learn sign language and i think it should be mm. taught from the time that we're little because um 460 million statistically in the world are are deaf. That's a huge statistic, and it's yeah. and it's also the third most sought out language in the nation. If it's the third sought out language, most sought out language, that means there's a need for it. People want to learn, and if yeah. people want to learn, we want to help. Wow. Yeah. Another thing is, uh, deaf people they're they're afraid that, or hard of hearing people are afraid that people are going to force them to speak and force them to be a certain way. And it's mm -hmm. like all they want us to do is learn their language and be happy it's like okay when you want to learn spanish you open up a book and you learn and you go to spanish school a lot of deaf people are repulsed by the idea of technology taking over um i'll give you an example of that on twitter probably about six months ago some scientists at i don't know where or what university created gloves to be able to so that when deaf people sign it it um translates on their phone and the mm. hearing people are like oh cool yeah it's cool for you guys but it's not cool for them. So all the deaf people were like, no, that's fucked up. Why don't you just learn our language? You want to learn Spanish? You want to learn French? You go to school and you learn it, yeah. which is which is true because you can't just you're not going to learn sign language that way. I mean, there's more to sign language than than the sign. You're not just sitting there like a like a machine. You move your body, you move your eyes, you your, your mouth moves differently. There's a whole verbiage like non -spo spoken verbiage that happens with your body and everything. Like when oh. you learn sign language, it's, it's a very beautiful language once you learn it. 
And that's what they want you to see. They want you to be like, dude, this is a beautiful language. It mm -hmm. really, really is. I mean, just think about it. When you think of a song, if you were to translate the song, um, it, let's just say I said, I feel for you. I think I love you. Right? Ooh. Prince, right? Whatever. Yeah. I feel for you. But if you, if you translate it, you say, I feel for you. I think I love you. Like, oh. well, all of a sudden, you've got <laughs> movement going on. You're feeling it more. Yeah. And they want you to see that, you know, they're like, you know, what? we feel things differently and they feel it to probably 10th power than what we do. Yeah. Oh. Have you seen the the video of the sign language interpreter singing WAP? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> is it funny or what? Yeah. Cardi B is on stage and she's performing. She's singing WAP. And then there's a, a sign language interpreter just off the side of the stage doing it. It is all over the internet. You need to look it up. It's I'm gonna look it up. Hilarious. <laughs> all right, I'll look it up. I, I won't give too much away here for anybody who hasn't seen it, but just go look it up. It's it's yeah, great. right. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I will I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Cool. So now that we have all that good stuff, now we have our final rapid fire section here. Pew, pew, pew. Rapid. Now, <laughs> for warning, this is all from inside the actor's studio. So if you already watched that show, you probably are familiar with these questions. Um, so what is your favorite word? My favorite word? I don't think I have a favorite word, but I think I like the word duper. I say it a lot. Duper? duper like super duper? <laughs> yeah, I say super duper a lot. And I don't know where it comes from or how it even started, but I say it a lot and I, ca I even catch myself. It must be a favorite word. I said it again. I said it again. So, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite um, sign? Oh, my favorite sign. Hmm. I don't for, think for I have long. a favorite sign. I tend to get along pretty well with most signs. No, I mean like uh, sign language. Sign language. Oh, <laughs> I, I was wondering. I, I was wondering, wondering how that was word be language. Yes. <laughs> I thought we meant like astrological sign. No. <laughs> my favorite sign has got to be cat. It's like this. This is how you say cats. Like the oh, whiskers. Cute. Yeah, cat. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite sign. That's cute. Nice. What's your least favorite word? My least my least favorite word to sign? Uh well let's do Any both. Word, yeah. Let's do both. You to signs, say signs there's a lot of signs that I forget because I'm dyslexic, so I, I'm like, wait, was that done this way or was it done that way? So mm. I can't I can't really think of my least favorite word to sign right now but what's my least favorite verbal word um mm -hmm. i think it depends on the context and how it's being said because like i can i can say like what the fuck but then whenever i hear like my loved ones or my mom or my brother like having a cuss fest i'm like oh, oh no i don't want to hear that <laughs> you know so i think it really depends on the context or who's saying it or how they're saying it but yeah. um the f word tends to be a little even though i say it Often myself, I'm not a fun, I'm not a big fan of the F word. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, what turns you on mentally, physically, spiritually? That's a good question. Um, what turns me on mentally? We'll start there. What turns me on mentally um, are inspiring people. Really, when I see somebody light up or when I make someone laugh. Um, that turns me on and it keeps my mm. uh, creative juices flowing that definitely turns me on um what turns me on what was the next question spiritually 
Yeah. What turns me on spiritually is, um, geez, hanging out with, hanging out at the Buddha Center, really. Because mm. when I'm there, I feel like I'm there serving a purpose. I'm there to be of service. I'm there with like-minded people, and that keeps me going. Nice. And what turns me on physically? Yeah. Like sexually? I guess, yeah. <laughs> if you want to go there. <laughs> this question, it literally, I did not create this questionnaire myself. It comes from Inside the Actor's Studio, James Lipton. He's the one. <laughs> well, actually, I think it came from somebody else, too, but whatever you what whatever you want to say yeah well i like working out that's one thing um i work out about five times a week Ooh. and uh, right now um what's turning me on about it i'll answer the sexually one and i'll <laughs> leave that for last <laughs> but physically what's turning me on right now is my next book i'm already thinking about mm -hmm. i'm contemplating my next book um thank you Re i'm in the middle of researching I'm going to be my own test subject, and uh, my book is going to be creating an exercise program for people with movement disorders because, oh, wow. um, yeah, it doesn't exist. And I've been working out consistently about five times a week for about two years, and my muscles weren't growing. They were still atrophying. So uh, when I was diagnosed with general dystonia, I started thinking about people with um, muscular um, sclerosis, people with ALS, people with Parkinson's, and and thinking like, how the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> how the fuck do they gain muscle? And how can they? And can they work out? No, they can't. So I, my brain started um, going a million miles an hour and trying to figure out how can I use myself as a test subject to gain muscle, to figure out an exercise program for these people that have muscle deterioration, degeneration. Mm -hmm. So far, um, I've been in the middle of researching it, and it's been about three weeks of trial and error with exercise, and I'm figuring it out. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, very, very slow isometric exercises with weights, and I'm starting to get muscle, and um, I'm going basically against my disease. So mm -hmm. if your body is constantly spasming like this, your nerves and your muscles, it's never having the time to figure out what it's supposed to do. So it's like... You can work out all you want, as hard as you want, but it's already tired of doing this all the time. Oh. So what I'm doing is something called neuroplasticity, where I'm working with my yes. my brains, yeah, my neurons, to build, build different freeways, to build muscle a different way. So I'm working against, um, I'm going against the grain, and going against the grain is going against the spasms and the cramps. So, I, for example, instead of doing like uh, 10 reps of bicep curls, it'll be three reps with... 10 seconds down, 10 seconds up, and then hold it for as long as I can. And mm. that's been working. So it's slowing down the exercise. And wow. I think I'm onto something. And once I finally get the results that I'm looking for, then I could start putting in the literature. So that's what's turning me on right now um, physically is my exercise because it's becoming for the people. And we'll, um, do, the, we'll do the sexually one privately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can do that. What, in, in any of those, it's so funny. I'm blushing, but you can't tell. Uh, in, in any of those senses, what turned you off? What turns me off? Um, what turns me off with any of those senses are is anger. People, angry people, that turns mm -hmm. me off. Um, yeah. People who don't communicate. I get often, I get a lot of um, people who ghost me. And I sometimes mm. I think that maybe they're intimidated by my, my communication. 
And um, I just wish them well, and I wish that they learned to find ways to communicate because communication really is the key to find flowing connection with people. Yeah. And um, yeah, so what turns me on sexually, I don't know really. <laughs> I, I, I've been um, I've been celibate for four years, mm. um, and. It's the last guy I had intimate relationship with. It was twice with that guy, and he was not a very positive person, a very, mm. very, very negative person. So we just our communication ended, and I was Man. turned off by that. Yeah, I can't get turned on by negative by negative people. Yeah, know. no, I hear you there. What yeah. sound or noise do you love? I'm trying to love the sound of um. <laughs> but it's hard it's like the last four days i've been sleeping with that on youtube they've got like four hours of om and supposed to be that's like our spirit like our our higher spirit calling you know and it's like i keep waking up in the middle of it and be like i'll shut it off you know yeah. so I'm, I'm trying to be good with it and i think eventually i'll i'll start to it'll start to settle um but what other sounds do i love the guitar i love uh mm. i love the guitar um not I, I my dream is to be able to play flamenco guitar mm. and just mm -hmm. anytime i hear the flamenco playing it's like i feel like bugs bunny in the cartoons when he would smell something good and his body would float to it you know? <laughs> oh, yeah yeah i feel like my body just floats to that sound <laughs> yeah that's Cute. awesome what sound do you hate I hate, um, I live on a really busy street, Cordova Street. Like right now, there's these, whenever like huge trucks or dumpster, like trucks drive by or, oh, loud motorcycles. That's just a little, uh, mm. that could be a damn like, oh, come on. Did you have to, oh, yeah. Did you have to drive that fast? Did you, come on, take those <laughs> mufflers? What? Yeah, things like that. That stuff is a little a nuisance. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> My favorite curse word? Um, I don't, I don't think I have a favorite curse word. <laughs> you told us what word you didn't like, and it was a curse word, so that's funny. So we, yeah. Um, I, I think I don't mind the word shit. I'm like shit, damn shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind shit. I don't. Yeah. Wait, what have you been saying today? Oh shit, bitch. Shit, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea where they came from. Came from somewhere. <laughs> what profession would you like to do if you weren't uh, in your current profession? If I wasn't in my current profession and I had the physical ability to, I would like to be a surgeon of some sort. Because oh. I, I like to keep, I love to do things that makes me like hone in on something and focus and stay there for a while. I love doing that, which is what, that's what I like when I, about writing, because it's like surgery almost like I could just focus mm. and it's relaxing almost. And so I think I'd be some kind of surgeon. I have the opposite problem. I have a hard time focusing. <laughs> ADHD, ADD, all the things. I think everyone has, I mean, I'm certain everyone's got ADD, ADHD. I think that um, most of the people that have ADD, ADHD, ADHD is because there's a lot of creativity, a lot of energy, creative energy that's flowing through the body that needs to be released. Mm, that part. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what profession would you not like to do? Yeah, I don't think I, my, one of my best friends is a high school teacher and mm. As much as I love kids and kids love me, I I don't think I could talk for six 
classes six periods straight and mm. have them going like this or like you know like throwing spit wads and like me just feeling like free, forget it you know i feel like i wouldn't have that patience yeah no no i hear you what if, okay i love this question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you get to the pearly gates well i do believe heaven exists and um well, what I like, I would like to hear him say, welcome, son. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, final question, and we ask this to everyone. What have you manifested recently? What I've manifested recently, um, so much, actually. And I, I think, I don't even know where to start with that. Where are we with time? <laughs> We're like right on time. <laughs> The thing that I've manifested recently was, I guess, my book finally, The I was having an issue with KDP, the publishing part of Amazon with my paperback. Mm. And for like the last three weeks, there's like an issue here, there's an issue there. And today, finally, it was like a simplest issue on just the copyright page. And when it finally went through, I felt that, um, I mean we are manifesting our life every day you know mm. it's made by your own actions so that's the one thing that i manifested nice well you know i want to find out where can people find you let's do another plug where can they find you find your book yeah so you can find me uh, my handle is at d-r-l-i-n-o-m-a-r-t-i-n-e-z that's for that's at dr lino martinez that's both on instagram and on twitter um you can also check out my podcast by going on my website at www.alittlelessfear.com and you can send me an email on a little less fear at gmail.com if you have any messages or any questions for me wow Yay. perfect and we'll put that in the show notes too and we'll also put a link to your pre-order for the book yes in the show notes. oh hell yeah <laughs> Lino, thank you so much. I thank love you. you. This has been amazing. I love you both so much. This has been Me amazing. Too. This is really healing. It's like a therapeutic session. Totally. I know. And I learned a lot. So I learned a lot too. <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. Come, you're welcome back anytime. Yes. You're welcome anytime too. Both of you are. Thank you. Oh, nice. Thank you. Cool. Have a we'll good one. We'll talk soon. Thank we'll you so much. We'll talk course. soon. puppies and shit we got puppies and shit on this show well thank you for joining us to this week star seeds and thank you. i want to thank our special guest lena martinez yes yes thank you thank you thank awesome. you thank you friend it was lovely to see you again um yeah so we have a quote this week we do we have one from oscar wilde to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance mm. i'm all i'm all about self-love you know because if you can't love yourself how the hell are you gonna love anybody else that's right i'm all about self-love though yeah in more than oh. one way in more than one way uh, i need to be more about self <laughs> in more than one way um so every episode we also end things with our gratitude list um what are we grateful for this week um i'm grateful that my house didn't burn down oh yeah i'm grateful for that too <laughs> um I'm grateful for this. Can I be grateful for a TV show? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm grateful for brand new cherry flavor because it's my favorite show now. Oh, I don't, I like, don't, I don't get into shows that easily, but this one just sucked me in. Um, and I'm grateful for seeing my mom tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah. You got some good gratitude. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful that I have a show, uh, this Sunday, but, uh, I just had a show for those uh, listening and uh, for those who are seeing this. Uh, <laughs> what else am I grateful for? I'm grateful that I've been able to, you know, get some more jogging in this week, even though I uh, did not yesterday. Well, I kind of did, whatever. Uh, and I'm grateful that I'm studying for a new certification. Did I use that? La- I think I used that one last week. I don't remember. I'm grateful for a new certification that I'm studying for that I am uh, starting to do well on. That's fair enough. Sure. Um, Well, that concludes this week's episode. We have social media. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, Instagram at a cosmic journey pod and then Twitter at a cosmic journey pod. We couldn't afford the extra letters. You couldn't afford the extra letters. Damn you. Um, I'm at Demetri Wild on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at J.Maceo Music on Instagram and Twitter. We have a Facebook group, Starseed Central. You can join us, share memes, uh, suggest Cosmic News articles, and interact with us directly. Direct. Uh, We also have uh, YouTube where you can uh, look at uh, or listen to and look at both uh, Cosmic News, interviews, uh, Jay's Cosmic Insights. I'm Jay. So rate, share, subscribe. Do that. Do that. Um, anyways, I think that's everything today. And Arf. thank you for listening. And as always, Godspeed, Godspeed Star Seeds. Arf! Arf.